laugh at this next part. In a world of political correctness and cancel culture, two comedians have risen up to prove that with the right angle, anything can be funny. This is You Can't Laugh at That. Who writes these? Huh? You should have this person locked up and looked at. Live from Golden Ox Studios in Cleveland, Ohio, it's Steve Mers and David Horning on this week's episode. There's a show I did at Caroline's, and it was like a pretty sold-out show, maybe like a hundred people. And there was this woman who came up to me, and she was like drunk. I, I wish I could remember exactly the words, but she was like, "I don't appreciate like your jokes about dyslexia. Like I have a son who's dyslexic." And I was like, well, that's why, like, she wasn't like, she was dyslexic. What she was saying didn't make any sense. I was like, well, that's why I make fun of it. I, I'm dyslexic. I'm making fun of myself. And she's like, that's wrong. Like, you shouldn't make fun of people with dyslexia. And I'm like, no, I have it. Like that, like the people that can make fun of things are the people that like are dealing with the issue. Um, and then I think I like said fuck off or something. <laughs> Hey, this is David from You Can't Laugh at That. Hey, if you enjoyed listening to this podcast and if you found value in any of the episodes or if you've laughed even once, consider joining our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash you can't laugh pod. Now, these conversations we have with all these awesome comedians typically last about two hours. So there's so much footage we have to cut from every single episode and we hate that we have to cut it. And we don't want it to disappear into the ether, which is why we edit it together into exclusive clips. Some episodes, they're 15 minutes, a half hour of extra footage. Other episodes, it's a little bit shorter. Either way, if you enjoy listening to You Can't Laugh at That, join our Patreon for exclusive access. And thanks for listening to our podcast and supporting comedy, because no matter how weird times get, Remember that you can laugh at that. Welcome to You Can't Laugh at That, the podcast where we take topics you can't laugh at and we find ways to laugh at them in the never-ending quest to prove that anything can be funny. Steve Mers, my charming debonair co-host, joins us from his couch in space. Steve? (laughs) Hello. And uh, joining us now from New York who's spending time in LA, she's basically all over the place, is Tori Piskin. What's going on, Tori? Hi, yes, you made me sound like, like I feel like saying I'm a traveler now is like saying I'm the devil. Yeah, right. You just entered it, you're like, Tori, she's in LA, she's in New York, New York. she's the devil. But like before, it was like cool to be like, she's a traveler now, it's like, oh, she's killing people? Oh, you mean she's a super spreader. Yeah. Got it. Exactly. You say you're like a travel person. I posted some video on TikTok, I was like, like a vlog, like going to New York for my friend's wedding. And all these people were like, you're the reason why I'm just spitting <laughs> nurses' mouths. Like, and I had to like block people and like, I'm dyslexic. And so everything I'm, I, I try to like, like get myself out of the situation, but I just keep putting myself in the situation. Cause people on TikTok are like that mean first grade teacher. That's like, well, you didn't say this. They will like pinpoint everything you say. And then, so I just, um, I just block these people. Right. Well, it's all right. You don't have to worry about that from us. I still okay. think it's cool that you're you're traveling. And I assume you're you're playing it safe. So Yes. Yeah. 
don't stop. Um, and why would you? Uh, Tori has been featured in uh, Glamour magazine as having one of the funniest takes on Lyme disease. That's something that we may dive into a little bit later. Or, I or think I like, remember that. Yeah? <laughs> I feel like I remember that, seeing that somewhere. You, you're you a Lyme advocate? Oh, yeah. Well, I'm a Glamour magazine advocate, too. Oh, okay. <laughs> and you're like, beauty, ticks. This girl seems interesting. <laughs> <laughs> That's classic Steve Murs. Uh, and Tori has also been part of the New York Comedy Festival's Comics to Watch Showcase. Uh, she's featured for Judy Gold, Pauly Shore, who uh, is crushing it right now. <laughs> yeah. At the store. How did that uh, come about? When did you open for them? Um, I opened for Pauly in New York at Caroline's and I used to have a lot of jokes about like getting the skateboarder and he was like, he, I can't remember how he started, but he was like, are you my next girlfriend? And I was like, first you're 50 and like two, do you even own a skateboard? <laughs> um, so I don't know. Question. Yeah. yeah. So that's like how that does. happened. Okay. All right. And uh, she currently has a podcast with her mom. That is on the top 50 comedy iTunes chart. It's called Got It From My Mama. What's that? What's the story behind that? Um, well, speak of the skateboarder. So two years, almost two years. No, wait. Last, like two, almost two years ago. No, two, two years ago, I got dumped by the skateboarder. And I was like really upset. And my mom was just saying like really mean things about him, but it was making me feel better. And I would post like short videos, not of her saying the mean things, just like her giving me dating advice. And then people are like, oh, make it longer. So I was like, okay, like I don't want to do videos. I'll just do a podcast. And then, yeah, I guess now she like gives me advice and people now, but now it's not turned really into like dating advice. Now it's just about, it's like our just lives, like in general, like, you know, she like her thing with COVID and her getting mad at people in the city. Like she's the type of person that literally will like scream at people in the store if their mask is lower. Mm. Okay. I yeah, like that, her. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, she's very like, like she just loves to like make like a statement. And then I, I think what happened recently was this like deli or market she goes to the butcher, like never has the mask here. And I guess my mom was like complaining to someone at the store, probably for like the fifth time. And they were like, if it's such a problem for you, like you don't have to shop here. Like we don't need you. Yeah. <laughs> Our business does not rely on Yeah. That. So then, of course, my mom on the podcast, like, said the name of it. She's like, never, never go there. <laughs> Call-out culture, man. Your yeah. mom's knee-deep in it. That's funny. That's a funny concept for a podcast. Yeah. That's Actually, cool. before, now I think of it, like, before, like, call-out culture or, like, the I feel like the most OG, like, call-out thing she ever did was when we were younger – I don't know why, like I never went on vacation when I was older, but when I was like 10, my parents took me to Paris, which is so stupid. I was so ungrateful. And we're like walking in some like very fancy park and my mom like had to go to the bathroom. Um, and the only place to go to the bathroom in this park was like an opera. So she's like, I'm going to go in there. But meanwhile, she's like, it's like freezing, like bitter. She's not dressed like for the opera. And the only thing she had that maybe looked nice was like a Burberry scarf. But by the way, for some reason in like maybe 2001, every homeless person in Paris had a homeless, had a Burberry scarf. So she like went in to ask if she could like use the bathroom. And basically the guy was like, no, you're homeless. 
And, but like, it was all miscommunication. And my mom was like, that's it. I'm telling all of my friends in Long Island to never, never come here. (laughs) Yelp review. I was like, what are you saying? Like, she was like the original person to like, I just thought of that to like shout people out. That's funny. (laughs) I was like, you are homeless. And she's like, I am not. I am from Long Island. And I'm going to tell everyone to never come here. That's but weird. I, Why Burberry scarves? I think there was like a, it was, I think it was like the time when everyone had a Burberry, like, I can't remember. It was just this time when I think it came out. And I think there was a lot of like fakes of the Burberry. And I, I, I think they were like really cheap, but somehow like every homeless person in Paris had them. Cause there is like a lot of homeless people there. And I, we, we were like this, like my mom did. So, and my mom was very offended. Okay. There's like a roving Burberry gang. Yeah. The Bloods, Crips, and the Burberries. That's funny. Um, so why comedy? Like what what made you, when was the moment you realized that you were funny and that you could turn that into making other people laugh? Um, I, okay, like my, I guess I'm my like fondest memory. I mean, is that the right word? What does even fondest mean? It's like my most... Uh, Clear? Yeah. But, but no, like... Revered. Yeah. Like <laughs> okay, another know. word I don't know. It's like, a good memory. It's like my favorite memory. It's like Okay. Yeah. I guess like when I was really maybe like four, very young before, I remember doing like an Elvis Presley impression and then like getting a laugh. But I, I feel like I was like very young and I just remember like that feeling and just doing it. Um and I would always like do like swimming and Anytime I would do like a sport event, I would just like wanted to like make people laugh. Like that was like the point I was doing it, not to like play any games. Okay. How, how does one uh, <laughs> make people laugh in a swimming pool? Um, well, I would like do impressions of like the Russian coach. Okay. And then I would always, they would be like, Tori, you're talking. And I was like, whatever. Like it's, I was, I was like, whatever, it's fine. Okay. Now the, <laughs> that's going to bring us to today's topic. Uh, we're going to talk about dyslexia. I know you, you have, you've been interviewed several times about it. You have a few bits um, that, well, and we're going to break down one of those right now uh, from the New York comedy club back in what, 2018. Um, sorry. My mom came in. It's oh yeah. Right. That was 2018. She, she's like coming in to tell me something. I don't know. She's like right. mouthing something. She's like, I'm like, I can't understand you. <laughs> And then I'm like, shut the door. And then she like shuts it like the slowest possible way I've ever seen someone shut a door. <laughs> she wants to tell the story about the Burberry scarf. Probably. She heard yeah. it. She's like, no, you told it wrong. Um, like, um, what were you saying? No, just that uh, if you want to introduce that clip, we'll, we'll talk about the clip and go from there. Oh, okay. Wait, I'm trying to remember what, because I do have a few clips about being dyslexic. So yeah, I, well, I definitely went to like an alternative school so when I was younger they knew I was dyslexic at like age four because I like couldn't get my shapes for some and I guess then I did testing and then they like were like oh she's dyslexic and then I guess I was like so dyslexic that they like put me in this school from like fifth grade to 12th grade for people with learning disabilities but they pitched it like it was like a really cool school to go to like they pitched it like it was the Harvard for learning disabilities (laughs) 
And I was like, oh, this sounds so great. You know, you just like throw the word Harvard in. It's like the Harvard of a homeless rehab. You're like, sounds good. Like you could say anything. And yeah, I just went to that school. There was definitely like a lot of like weird people that went there. And I remember just like always wanting to leave because a lot of my friends would end up leaving. They would, but they don't, but it was like a jail. They would like, Tori can't leave. Like she can't be mainstream. And I, yeah, I just, I just wanted to leave this like crazy school, but yeah. So that's the dyslexic background. All right. And here is a clip about that from the New York comedy club. So I am very dyslexic. Anyone else dyslexic? You guys can read menus, cool. Um, I was so dyslexic that when I was younger, my parents sent me to a special school for people with learning disabilities. That's where I met my first boyfriend. I don't mean to brag, you guys, but uh, I was the hottest girl at the learning disabled school. Every day I got all these love notes. It was great. I couldn't read any of them, but... even the way the teachers would say the name of it, because they'd be like, hi, everyone, welcome to Churchill School and Center. (laughs) (laughs) But there was a local deli by the school, and the deli knew that all the kids that went there had a learning disability, so they would always shortchange us. Don't feel bad, that's how they say in business, okay? (laughs) And a lot of, like, alumni work there, so it all works out again. So, yeah, I would just, like, go there with the 20 and come home with pretzels. And my mom would be like, oh my god, what happened? I'm like, what do you mean? I still owe them three more dollars. <laughs> but the kid I dated in high school, uh, he was just like this real like white Italian kid, you know? His name was Frank, Frank Pascal. <laughs> Frank like always just like talked with his hands. Like every time he talked, it just looked like he was robbing shit from a deli. <laughs> it is for two people to be in a relationship that can't spell and then you want to try to find a Netflix movie (laughs) like we were trying to figure out how to spell Jurassic Park and I was like all right giraffe 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 J and he's like yeah of course not something J you idiot J like giraffe No, that's a G. G like Jeopardy. You're the fucking idiot. (laughs) Wow, you guys are really good spellers. You guys got that. You were good. You were quick. I like it. Sometimes people who are like great type Nazi people hate. That's a. I I love the. I love that bit. Um, the Jurassic like the spelling. Oh yeah. That's so funny. That's so funny. Um, I always like. It was funny. So. Frank, I saw him like at a car dealership. Well, obviously, obviously, like, you know, with jokes, you like, you put things together. Like, I actually did have a boyfriend, but he wasn't Frank. But Frank was just like a funnier character, the like Italian guy who was dyslexic. So I just put him in. But I, um, I saw him like a few years ago, like literally working at a car dealership. And he was, he was like the same guy but he was like an adult version of it. So he like kissed me hello on the cheek. It was just like weird. <laughs> Those people never grow up. Yeah. <laughs> just the same version, but that pays taxes. Right. Um, how did that bit come about? Like, when did you, you know, what was the first idea you were like, oh, I got to joke about this stuff. I think the first idea was 
So I did date someone from that school and we dated after college and I like 24, 25. And that's when I started doing standup. And I think I was telling my friend, like, we're both dyslexic. Like we're so bad at finding Netflix movies. And then I think it started like with the premise and then I can't remember how the rest of it came about, but I think like that's how it started. But I also feel like when I was first doing comedy, it was like, I always wanted to talk about this school, but it was so like different. And like, it took me like, I would say like three years to even like understand how to like communicate this like weird school that I went to by making it funny, but not seeming like, you know, I'm making fun of people because I am one of those people. So I think it like took a while to like set up like the place I went to. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. But I mean, you know, obviously you knew it was funny. Yeah. And then there, there are a lot of cases where I'll have an idea of something that happened that I know is funny, but it's either like too dark or it, it requires like a level of skill that I don't have as right. a comic. I mean, yeah. do, do you do that? Um, yeah. So I think it, that's why it took me so long. I'm trying to think if there was like other things to that joke that I stopped saying because I was like, oh, maybe this is. I said, I had something about with a wheelchair. I can't can't remember what it was, but yeah, I think there was just aspects to it. I'm trying, I like, it's funny. I like, I like going back to like how a joke like started. And I definitely think it started like where I was like, oh, this is like almost wrong what I'm saying. Yeah, but you made it very endearing. So do you still use that? I mean, when things open back up. Yeah, I still use that. I I always am like, oh, I'll use this like before or after I say something like that's going to be mean because like, look, I'm vulnerable. Like I can't mm-hmm. read, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And you're very, you're very likable when you deliver it. Um, you have just kind of like an air of like silliness, light, lightheartedness as you're doing it. So that almost, you know, I feel like you could get away with a lot. Yeah. Just with your persona. I stopped doing the joke about... Now that I think about it, I haven't done the joke in a while where like the deli would take our money because I think now I think about it, I was like, oh, maybe it was like too out there, but they like really would do that because I grew up in New York City and they would like, like, I, I just, I always remember like getting back the change that didn't seem right, but I like couldn't, first off, New York's so fast. So I couldn't like figure out in the matter of like 10 minutes what I needed being like, this doesn't seem right. Yeah. And also it's weird. They were, they would like stay, they were like the only deli that I've seen, like still stay in business for like 15 years. I think they're like, I think they like caught on <laughs> that the kids like don't know how to do math. So they're like, Oh, it's fine. We'll just even it up for them. It's a solid <laughs> business model. Just straight <laughs> robbery. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh man. Okay. Yeah. Th- so that what? pretzel bit. But you know what? I think they deserve it because like the amount of weird people that went there, like for instance, for some weird reason, I always got like very nervous ordering food because like part of my dyslexia is like, I have like word retrieval. So like I'll think of a word, but then if I'm nervous, like another word will come out. So for some reason I would like wait in line being like, like I would like repeat my order. So by the Mm -hmm. time I like got there, I would like say it right. Meanwhile, like, do they care if I say it right? Like you can't even hear them anyway. Right. Right. <laughs> They'll forget about it the second you walk out the door. Yeah. So like, and I, I'm sure I, I think I got it wrong. It always was like different. I was like, oh, it's my fault. But like now I grew up, I was like, no, it's their fault. Like every deli, you'll be like no mayo. And then there's like extra mayo. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like at least half the time. Cause yeah, when I lived in New York, there was a bodega by my house and they would always mess up my sandwich. And like, right. I don't know why I kept going there and getting the same sandwich. And they right. messed it up every time. Like, I wish I knew like it 
like back then, like it wasn't my dyslexia that messed up my sandwich. It's just like the deli culture. Yeah. Like right. if you get a sandwich right in a deli, you just become a market. You're not a deli. Right. Right. <laughs> they, they don't, you know? that's a different tax bracket. They yeah. It's like, oh, you said market, like the taxes go up now. <laughs> yeah. Right. Now you have to ch- charge an extra dollar for something and uh, rent is higher. So right. <laughs> you totally changed your designation. Um, so kind of talk about your, um, your dyslexia, because I know it affects different people differently. Like how does it impact your day to day or, and how did it like start like as a kid? Well, so. it's funny. My boyfriend recently told me that he, I don't make any sense when I text him and it's like talking to a robot. <laughs> so I don't think I've like really grown out of it. It seems like, um, I thought, you know, doing like, I've been doing like the past few years. I do like the audio. I just like talk into it, but even mm-hmm. that like messes it up because, yeah. you know, first off, I don't know how to like read a certain word. So, but then when I read it over, like, I just assume that they know, but I'm, so I'm still spelling it wrong. Um, and my, I guess my dyslexia affects me mm, definitely with like, like visually, like I'll, I'll write an email and I think I'll have like the word it's, but it's just it. And I'm missing like, like A's and stuff like that. But like visually, I think it's right. Um, and then, so I think that also affects like when I was younger with like B and D's looking different. And a lot of the time I would like forget like the name of something. So it was like charades. Like I'd always be like, what's that thing that's like yellow? And it's like, you have it as a, des- like my whole life was like charades. Like I couldn't like remember the names of things. So I'm, I feel like I'm so good at charades because of that. Like I'm very good at like, like explaining, like, like I, I can tell you about an actor. I won't tell you their name, but I can tell you like every movie they've been in, like their lives, but I like won't remember like their names. So you're great at like catchphrase and you'd be great at like the $10,000 pyramid where you can't say the word, but you have to describe it. That's okay. Now you've obviously uh, adapted. You've obviously like leaned into it and you know, you make, you make it this endearing part of who you are as a person. Uh, Was there a moment where like, where it like, I don't want to say hurt, but I mean, a lot of being able to find the funny in the situations that were dealt is like going through that pain to find to like get through to the other side. Did did you ever experience that? Um, I'm trying. Well, I feel like because the school I went to was like, it's like I never really was bullied because I was like, we were all the kids that got bullied. Does that yeah. make sense? Like, yeah. I think I was the bully. I say I was the hottest girl, but I also was the bully of the school. Like, I would like bully kids, like, or I would like manipulate kids to like get things I wanted. Like, I'll never forget this one kid, like. I am like I, I, I think his name was, but he had like a list, but he was like a really good speller and like really good in history. So I think I would like manipulate him to like do my homework for me. <laughs> I guess basically my dyslexia is like taught me like how to get what I want. Like maybe not through this and like through a different direction. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's comedy is like, right. You know, taking something and instead of looking at it head on or going at it head on, you kind of find that alternate route to get there. Right. That's, I think, I don't know, but uh, no, and, and, you know, being able to laugh about that. I mean, there are some people who have it obviously worse that there are some people who have other like learning disabilities and it's, you know, it's difficult. So you being able to find the humor in that is a real positive in that sense where it's like, no, it, it can be okay. 
There was one woman now that I totally remember. There was a show I did at Caroline's and it was like a pretty sold out show, maybe like a hundred people. And there was this woman who came up to me and she was like drunk. I, I wish I could remember exactly the words, but she was like, I don't appreciate like your jokes about dyslexia. Like I have a son who's dyslexic. And I was like, well, that's why, like, she wasn't like, she was dyslexic. What she was saying didn't make any sense. I was like, well, that's why I make fun of it. I, I'm dyslexic. I'm making fun of myself. And she's like, that's wrong. Like, you shouldn't make fun of people with dyslexia. And I'm like, no, I have it. Like that, like the people that can make fun of things are the people that like are dealing with the issue. Um, and then I think I like said, fuck off or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There are some people that you just can't get through too. Yeah. Especially those, yeah, Caroline. I used to work at Caroline's when I lived in New York. So, you know, those those like new talent nights you would get everybody's friends and parents or whatever come to those shows. So yeah, sometimes they weren't the nicest people. Yeah, no, for sure. That <laughs> uh, that brings me to uh, Liz Mealy, who uh, is a, another New York comedian, and she just dropped an album this year. She's an, a big advocate for uh, for dyslexia. Have you worked with her before? Um, I've been on like a couple of shows with her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I really liked her bit on um, how she's like talking about on the subway how she has to like ask the guy for help. Yeah, that's how oh, I that's am, like, with directions. Like I'm really bad at directions. And one time, which I think is stupid because I grew up in New York City, but obviously like the people don't that I ask questions to on the street, like which way's third, don't know it. But one time I put on like an accent because I felt like better about myself. <laughs> Like knowing that like, thought I was like a foreigner asking for directions. I was like, excuse me, excuse me. Do you know where um, Fifth Avenue is? And they're like, yeah, but I don't know. I just felt like more confident, like saying it with an accent than myself. That's a solid strategy. <laughs> well yeah. played. Unless the person knows you and then it's like awkward. Yeah. <laughs> like, what was that? What? I'm like, it's my acting class. <laughs> You don't just randomly break into accent. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sound like you're threatening somebody with a Russian accent. Um, cool. Let's play that that Liz Mealy bit and kind of talk about uh, the angle that she takes on it. It's so, sort of similar to yours just because, you know, she goes into the dating side of yeah. of being dyslexic, but um, it takes a turn. So Jeremy, fire away. I'm dyslexic. They found out in the third grade I couldn't read at all. It's still a very shaky concept for me. (laughs) If you don't know anything about dyslexia, it's a learning disability. It makes it more difficult to read, write, spell, memory, math, school. It's just 12 to 16 years of torture. (laughs) It's just the foundation of communication. My life is hard. Fine with it. I, I, I mean, I've been dealing with it m- my whole life. I don't need you to have like pity for me. I, I don't, it's an invisible disability, but you don't need to like change your lifestyle for me. Like if we're on the train together, you don't need to give up your seat. But if you see me reading a book, maybe give me a high five. Uh, <laughs> I've been reading it for six months. No, I don't know what it's about. Borderline <laughs> <Order> a prop. <laughs> and then, I've been dealing with it my whole life. I'm fine with it. I'm really not that insecure. I would say the only time my insecurities start to come back is like the first two weeks of dating a new guy. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? It's like a never ending text message. You wake up, you go to bed, you're constantly texting. And that's a very important time for me. So I'm just gonna say it. I'm cute enough. Okay, what I get with my face is enough. But if I wanna reach that next level of pretty person, if I wanna go outside of what my face can get, I'm fucking witty, I'm witty, I'm quick, I'm fast. You guys don't see it. 
<laughs> I'm telling you, I have LOL'd a dude into a boner. I've seen it. <laughs> but you can't be funny via text if you don't have good timing. And you can't have good timing if you don't know how to spell, okay? <laughs> so, if I'm texting a boy and I'm at home, I have resources. I can ask Siri. I'll be like, Siri, how do you spell tomorrow? And she's like, I got you, girl. <laughs> T-O. You guys know the rest of it. <laughs> but if I'm not at home, if I'm on the subway, there's no Wi-Fi. I'm an adult human that's had to ask another adult human how to spell with an urgency that makes no sense. <laughs> I once tapped a man on the shoulder and I was like, dude, how do you spell matrimony? Hurry it up. He's like, are you flirting with me? Is this a pickup line? I was like, no, I'm trying to fuck a dude in my phone and I need some assistance. <laughs> One or two words, cannot figure it out. The internet is a <laughs> Enjoying that too much, and that makes me so uncomfortable. She's so funny. Yeah, I love her. She yeah. did a really funny, I can't remember, something like rabbis and living in the Williamsburg area, but it was very funny. She always kills on shows. Yeah. No, I remember seeing her like six, six, seven years ago. And I was like, oh, she's great. Yeah. It's like her and Carmen Lynch really stood out to me. Yeah. At times just being like absurdly funny comics. Yeah. Um, yeah. That whole bit is, is so good. She's so, she's like, just like you, very likable. Yeah. Um, well, I think that's like a thing. Like if you're dyslexic, you're like, well, I can't do this. So like, I'll have to like perform. I think that's also like a part. You're like, I can't read, so I'll perform until I figure out how to spell this thing. Yeah. That's, you know, you got to make up for whatever you're missing out on. Um, how do you, you be like, pretty personable, you know? Yeah. yeah, I think I like, like knowing people's business. I don't know if that's like a dyslexic thing, but I think, I think because I don't know how to, there's been so many times I've had to ask people for help, like in spelling or, like, can you look over my emails that I know how to, like, ask my way with them feeling like they're getting something out of it and I'm not just, like, using them. I hope. I don't know. I have to right. ask my sister. She's my spell checker. Yeah. She looks at everything. <laughs> so, so is it safe to say that, like, the vast majority of the things you know is from personal interaction with people or watching TV and that sort of thing? Or is it, um, like... I Well, my school, I said, was, like, really... Like, I mean, they, first off, they taught us the weirdest way how to spell. I'll never forget. Like the whole school was basically being like, we're going to teach you how to go out in the real world and be okay with your dyslexia. Meanwhile, they taught us things to make us look like more special than we actually were. This is how they taught us like spell words, like syllables would be like tomorrow. It'd be like tomorrow, like tomorrow. Like you would like, everything was like physical, but like what am I supposed to be in like my internship being like tomorrow? <laughs> and then they, everything was like spelled because you're, when you're dyslexic, you're so visual. So now I think I'm like, Oh, I get it. It's like visual. It's like clapping. We're like in a fucking like band. And then, you know, or like they would tell you to like write it out like T O. So you could like see it rather than like just say it, but it helps. I'm saying like that stuff doesn't, that's not good for like the real world. Do you see? Like yeah. I would look like crazy. Right. I, I mean, if I had like Surrey or any of those things, like in high school or like a little after, it would be so much. All I had was my like 14 year old cousin. He was the only person available in the middle of the day and he had a flip phone. So it would take like an hour for him to text me back, like how to spell something. Mm. So yeah, I think you have to become very 
you know, personable when you're dyslexic because you have to like rely on others. Yeah. yeah. Can't be a dick. I mean, if you're dyslexic dick, then some you have a big dick maybe. I don't know. You got something going on there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> There's got to be something. I love yeah, that. <laughs> <laughs> I love the idea of you like clapping out syllables just in public. <laughs> That's such a funny visual. Just like walking down the street like... No, it's just like those tweets, like, come on, let's do it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was so embarrassing. I was at this, um, I had this internship when I was like 18. But also I think when you're dyslexic, you, like, even though I never felt bullied, I think it did cause a lot of anxiety. Like everything would cause me, like, anxiety. I would get very nervous. Like I had this internship and they're like, go get Apple. And I would call my sister crying, like, but they didn't tell me how many or like what color. Like I never... I was always, I think because I was wrong so much in my life, like in that aspect that I was so nervous to be wrong. Mm. So I would get really nervous. Um, but then, and then the worst, they gave me the worst thing ever for an, a dyslexic, but also I never told them. So I had to transcribe like a New Orleans cop show. And this was like before like Siri, like this is, yeah, this is like over 11 years ago. So it's really before anything. It's before like even Google had that thing where you could talk in to the computer and it would like spell it for you. So I literally, I had nothing. Everything was misspelled and it was like in Adobe Premiere. So I don't even think they like highlighted if something was misspelled. And like, I would, um, I would write the words I needed to like rewrite. And then on the lunch break, I would like call my dad to ask him how to spell the words, but everything was misspelled. I didn't even know, like they were, it was like New Orleans. So they would, and it would like, they were detectives. So they were saying words. I never even like, so and I would look at my paper and I was like, I don't even know what I wrote. But I actually didn't get fired for that. I got fired because one day they were like, go get a refill of soap. And like, like here's like, just like for some reason, the word refill was like very confusing to me. Like I never heard of someone say that. So I thought they meant dishwashing soap. <laughs> so I came back with dishwashing soap and they were like, we don't have a dishwasher. <laughs> well, like dish detergent? Yeah. Like, yeah, for the machine, yeah. I was like, oh, I thought that's what you meant. <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> they, uh, oh man, they they didn't know their audience. <laughs> no, I probably left that place like causing more harm than harm than good. I mean, I think I spent like three days a week, eight hours a day, like transcribing something, but everything was misspelled. <laughs> I like really fucked it up for them. <laughs> Could you like find the humor in that as it was happening? Or is it kind of like a, now in hindsight, I see where all of these like funny things are. I mean, I think during it, I was just like, I was so stressed, but now I can like laugh about it. Cause I thought it meant so much to like, I'm an intern at 18 at the biography channel. But like, I didn't know, like, you know, when you get older, like no one wants to have a job. Like no one cares about me. <laughs> You'd use the <laughs> clapping there. I should have. I was like, uh, yeah, I'm like writing out what people are getting arrested for. I'm like, drug, <laughs> drug muling, 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 muling. <laughs> Food and lascivious behavior. Yes. <laughs> have you turned that into a bit? That's funny. Um, I've always had it like in my notes, but for um, I don't think I ever like fully. No, I tried working on something once, but I never like developed it where it was like, how I was at the internship and I had a clap and how like, you know, it was my earlier. Oh no, this is what I would do. I forget. In my early days, like the first year of comedy, I would tell people that like, that's how they told us how to spell. And I would say, okay, now everyone like clap with me. And like, 
do it. And like turn to the person next to you and be like, tomorrow. And then I say, does that person look normal to you? And then like everyone would laugh. Because I set it up being like, you know, they taught us to like, we're going to teach you how to be like normal. And like, no one's going to know you're dyslexic or special. <laughs> so it's the clapping, that's that's normal. Yeah. There are so many things you can do with that. Just like, what are some places where it would be totally inappropriate to clap, but you need to know how to spell? Like, right. I mean, you, could, you could explore that. Like the doctor's the, office. Right. At the OBGYN, it's like, I think I have syphilis. I have to like write it down. I'm like... <laughs> if I was in LA, they'd be like, oh, cool, what band did you in, you know? Right. <laughs> uh, now, you went to a school uh, that was specifically designed for people who have learning disabilities, which is awesome that, that those places exist. But for so long, like, there have been, I mean, we don't know that much about the human brain still. I mean, we know so much more now, but like, man, imagine, you know, like, 50 years ago doing that. Like there's, there's generations of people who just thought they had a problem. Yeah. So my mom, she was dyslexic and they, so she, mm-hmm. but she didn't know. I think she knew like older, but for the longest time she didn't know, like they told her she was stupid. So that's why she knew right away that something was like off with me. Okay. And do you have like ADD or anything like that too? No, it's so weird. Everyone always thinks I have ADD, but I don't. I, cause I, I would get tested like every four years to like yeah. prove to the government I was, was special so I can get, go into the school for free. It was so, it's like, and so I'm like, wait, the one cool thing, like I didn't get, <laughs> but I swear I have it. I don't know. I think we all have it to some varying degree. Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah, you can't expect people to just pay everybody learns differently so like even if you don't have ADD if you're in a let's say a class where where the professor is just like going through notes and you're a visual learner like you're not going to pay attention that's but that doesn't mean you have ADD it just means that's not how your brain works right I mean the SATs are truly like the most painful thing for dyslexic oh yeah how was that um (laughs) not very good I can't remember I think I studied like a lot to get like very average but okay. but it was so it was so confusing like it would because also when you're dyslexic you don't know how to like you use words properly and you know like being dyslexic you're like it's always like oh is it do I go to the store today or like am I going to the store today these are things like you already deal with so I feel like SATs are always about that like mm-hmm. on a much higher scale so it was so confusing to me it's like which one's right I'm like I, I they they all seem pretty good to me. <laughs> Yeah, is there an all of the above yeah. for this one? Because I'll I'll pick that one. Um, Liz, in her bit, she she says the line like, "Don't don't have pity on me. Like, don't change your lifestyle for me. You know, don't offer me the seat uh, on the train." I don't. I, I think that's a that's a fun perspective uh, to look at it. Like, how do other people treat you uh, when they find out that you have dyslexia? And like, do, do they like overcompensate in some cases or? Are, are have people been like insensitive about it? No, I, don't, uh, I think I'm just so open about it. And I like tell people pretty early on, like even when I was dating, I would like tell guys being like, "Oh, I'm dyslexic," or no, I think one guy was like, "I'm a grammar Nazi," and I was like, before I like told them, and I was like, "Well, I don't think it's gonna work out." Like I'm dyslexic and Jewish, so yeah, we we cut <laughs> off that <laughs> we we cut off that that clip before I think you said that. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. like the only thing I can remember. That yeah, was like not good. 
Yeah, that's really funny. <laughs> I mean, the sec- if you open with that, I'm a grammar Nazi. You're not an interesting person. Yeah, I'm like, this is not going to work out. Really? Semicolons and hyphens? and Get out of here. Yeah, I don't even know like one of those things. I just see hyphens, commas, and periods as like ex- accessories. I just think you can like throw them in anywhere. Like I just, I'm like, oh, they add like a color, pop of color. Like, I don't know where they go. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I throw a, a hyphen in. Like if I, I don't want to, I don't want to commit to ending the sentence yet, but like, I don't want to be so loose that there's a comma and semicolon. Like that's so 1960s. Like, like, <laughs> nobody uses semicolons anymore. So I'll just throw a hyphen in. I've gotten real liberal with my use of the hyphen. But the best is like, if I'm on the phone with like customer service and they're like giving me the email, they're like hyphen or like. What's that one with like the the sideways line next to the question mark? Uh, the forward slash. Or, yeah. Oh, yeah. So they'll be like forward slash. And of course, I'm always writing like forward. <laughs> <laughs> I'm always doing like, fo- but then there's no forward. I'm like, wait, like, it's on a Dell. And then, sl- and then they're like, no, forward slash. I'm like, I don't know where that is. Like, I always argue with these people. Yeah. <laughs> you should just open every conversation you have with that. Like, hi, uh, just like say. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to make this about me, but um, you use uh, you use timing really well in that bit too. Um, the the pause between Churchill School and Center, like that's a that's a really funny line. Um, well played on the pauses. Have you like taken comedy courses, or would you say that you have like a mentor, or like how do you learn stand up? Um, I feel like in the beginning. Like I had my really good friend, Chris James, he's a comic and he already been doing it like seven years um, before me. And we met and actually he's dyslexic too. And so he like really understood, like, he was like, oh, you're like a young version of me because like, you know, the first year I would like do really well at shows, but then I wouldn't know how to like mimic what I was doing. And so I think he was like my mentor and like teaching me like the pauses, like, oh, this is this is why you did well. Cause you pause. And I was like, I didn't even know that's what I did. Do you record your sets? Um, yeah, I record all of my sets. I actually went through all of my sets recently. There was a time when I was doing all video too. And I have this one video. It's like sad, but it's so funny. I think it's after like my first year and I'm like crying on the streets of New York. And I'm like, I guess I just like bombed. I remember this bomb because it was like an early on, like, and this guy, I think I was doing crowd work, but I, I was like making fun of him, but it wasn't even like funny. It was just mean. And he was like, you're bombing harder than my longboard. And for some reason that like really hurt my feelings. And then afterwards, this, I filmed myself for some reason being like, I just, I just don't want to bomb anymore. And I'm like crying, like dead serious. Those first bombs hurt. Yeah. <laughs> for sure. Um, no, like right now, this is this is how we do podcasts. Just right. I have oh so God, many cats. cats. Yeah, I know. Um, <laughs> what was I going to say? Uh, yeah, bombing. Like, when did you like? How do you respond to bombs now? What's your What's your I will, strategy? I think when I'm doing a lot of stand up, like I can be like, okay, um, I that didn't get a laugh there because I said it wrong or I didn't. I think a lot of my stuff is so physical. So if I don't even like tilt my head the right way, it like doesn't work as hard. And I think, you know, 
I've before COVID, I was like, oh, this year I like really get like who I am as a comic and like where my strengths are. Um, so I think now I like take bombing as like, okay, what did I learn from this? Or like, but I think in the beginning, you're just kind of like, it just, like, if you don't hear a laugh, you're like, like stunned. Right. It, it, it's about the, the end result rather than like the actual process. Then. Right. Yeah. That's been, that was like transformative to me when uh, I, I was featuring um, and the headliner was like, dude, you just got to stop giving a fuck. Right. Like just go, the, it doesn't matter if you get the laugh. Like if you don't get the laugh, you're going up again in, in an hour. So yeah. go with it. I've been going back through old recordings and uh, oof. <laughs> even like six months ago, it's, it, oof. you know, as, as a comic, like you have to make it about the growth. Um, what would, what to you would constitute like a good set in that, from, from that perspective? Like, what do you look for? as far as like when you go back and and listen to recording. Yeah. Like when I had, like, I remember I had this really good set, like right before, I think it was one of my like last shows or like few, but it was like really good. It was at that club. Like, and I remember being like, okay, my like jokes hit and my characters were on point. Cause like with me, like I'm so like character driven that like, if I'm not like fully committed, it's just like, it's not there. Like it's not going to be good. It's like, I have to feel like committed. So I remember so when I listened to it, I could be like, oh, I could tell I was like half-assing it. And like, that's why it didn't work. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's kind of hard too when you're like, it's a new bit and you're excited about it. But then it gets old to like figure out how to like keep it fresh and stuff. I'm sure that's like, even if you're not doing characters. Do you mean like a persona kind of like? Well, like I, ha- I have this bit where it was doing like really well before COVID where I talk about how like my Irish friend She's like, and I describe her and she set me up with an Irish guy and I just go into like what that date was like and, you know, how he was like a real country Irish guy, you know, and he's like making me drink. And I was like, I don't drink. Um, But for that, I have to be like really in it to like, like, I think when I'm having fun, it's like, I, you know, I could like tell through the audio. Yeah. Yeah. You made a, a point about committing to the character, which is so important because the audience can even like, even if you give just a little bit in yeah. that, that commitment, they can read that. You kind of have to like, when you do a character, you kind of have to like black out and just like be, be so in it. Like you're not thinking like, okay, wait, that person is like drinking and that person's on their phone and stuff Oh like yeah. That. That's real acting though. Then good for sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's the only way you can do it well, you know, or at least, you know, most people, I feel like, so. Right. And you made that point about, uh, you know, going with with Frank, the uh, the Italian guy, rather than who your actual boyfriend was, just because his character was like more fun. Right. That's a that's a cheat code. I feel like not enough comics use. Like I see comics are like, no, that's not how it happens. Right. You have creative liberty to make it somebody else or to embellish something. Or people will be like, oh, I forget this one guy was like, he was like, your Instagram persona is a lot different than your actual persona. I'm like, yeah, like that obviously is me, but it's like a heightened, that's the performance me. Like, what do you, you know what I mean? Like, there's just different parts of you. Right. I hate being me. Like, <laughs> yeah. like the version of me, like the only thing that's carried me through just being myself, how I really am is just writing, but I don't like that that's just my my the crutch that I've developed over the years but I wait I have way more fun being silly and not myself right you know so 
we all have we all have those crutches um, <laughs> that that we tend to lean on. That I mean, for better or worse, we outgrow them. I mean, would would you say that you have one that that like you fall back on just kind of like a bad habit? Well, actually, it's funny. I always do. I'm like, I'm always like, I'm dyslexic. Like, I don't want to do this. Emma Wilman has, I think, a really funny joke how like she always uses that as an excuse too. Um, so yeah, I'm definitely trying to like not do that, but it's hard. It's yeah. fine, like an easy excuse about like everything. I'm like, oh, like it's like it's like a it's like funny because in some aspects I'm like not lazy at all in my life, but when it comes to like things that like you to just be able to do like directions or writing it down I'm like oh, and I'm like I'm just like, <laughs> like I can't like, or like filling out like paperwork I'm like dad can you help me like he's like it's like a it's like your OBGYN I'm like I can't read it like I don't know maybe I was like baby too much probably <laughs> milking it for all it's worth definitely oh dude for sure do that <laughs> that's a that's a, a another fun angle on it too it's just like how do i lean into it a little bit too hard because i mean obviously you find yourself doing that that's that's pretty funny in itself yeah but don't you think also like i feel like without stand-up comedy i would be like so not self-aware of like these things that i do i feel like stand-up comedy has been like therapy but mm-hmm. i don't change anything like i'm so like aware of like my weaknesses but i just I mean, I guess I have, but it's like, I don't, it, it doesn't, don't you feel like it's like a form of like therapy? Oh, for sure. For yeah. sure. It, it, because it forces you to be honest, at least, yeah. you know, and, and very observant. So that's, that's a good point about like, if you weren't a comic, how would, you know, I mean, how would you? What a therapy. Yeah. <laughs> there are different types of therapy in it too, where it's like you either get your opinions out or you just get to talk about yourself and sort through that. Or, you know, you get to, like, just vent. Like, all these, like, weird, you know, ways of... It's very lethargic. Or yeah. lethargic. It's very cathartic. <laughs> yeah, I might be a... Uh, <laughs> I always, <laughs> and I always know when, like, it's, like, time for me to, like, end the relationship. Because, like, three months prior, to be like, my boyfriend's so dumb. Like, and I'm like, ooh, this isn't... This isn't like, I feel like my stand-up knows when I'm going to break up before, like, I know. That's funny. Right? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> it, it just takes a turn. Yeah. It'll be like, no, I'm like, and then I'll get off stage. I'll be like, who was that? Who, like, I, like, it's like a, <laughs> it's like the devil. Like, the honest, like, it's like my gut talking up there. And it's like, and he, one time I had this, like, really, I had, like, an awful date with some guy. And I was on medication time that you, like, really shouldn't drink. And I'm not even a huge drinker anyway. But I drank and I was like really drunk off of one drink. And I was, wait, this actually, this is, I was saying all my jokes backwards, like real, like truly backwards. And then I was like, told the audience, I was like, fuck it. Like, I'm so drunk. I had this awful date. And it was like, I was like, I'm never going to find someone. Like, why? It was like, I don't even remember what I said. I like blacked out and everyone came up to me and they were like, that was so funny. Like you were so vulnerable. And my friend who's like my roommate in LA, she was like, like that's like she's like I know you think that was like the worst set. She's like it was the best set. She was like you were so real, like so vulnerable, like such a nut. Yeah, it's easy to get like robotic, and then yeah, if you allow yourself like so, this is a Cleveland comic. He doesn't he doesn't do comedy anymore. Uh, but his girlfriend broke up with him like the day of a show, and he just got on stage and was a mess, and it was yeah. hilarious. Uh, <laughs> it's yeah, I'm trying to think. It's like. I'm trying to think if I've ever had, well, the one time I remember like 
I was really upset because it was my, my grandpa was dying and like yeah. everyone was treating him like I hated. They would like get really close and they'd be like, Dad, like, can you hear that? And I would do the impression of my grandpa like, and he's like drooling. And I'm like, why are you t-? like, I can't remember what the joke was, but I just, I think I was just saying it so real because I just had come from this like family experience and I just, I remember it like did so well. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. There's, I mean, you're forced to be honest or else you're not authentic. And again, the audience reads that. Right. Um, and I think another reason that is, is like comedy is asking, is like asking the question, like what's weird about this? What's, you know, what's wrong with this? What don't I like about this? Right. Even though you're not like actually saying those things out loud, that process is going on in your brain and you have to answer honestly or else again, like it doesn't come across. You just made me seriously regret not writing a whole bit about my grandma's funeral because I had just started doing comedy and then I went to that, didn't write a thing about it because I was just always writing jokey jokes, you know, nothing about me. And like, I'm just so mad because I barely remember any of it now at this point, but I wish I remembered all of it because I would probably have some really great material, but I just don't, but whatever. I have a joke I say, and I did on TikTok where I basically say how the rabbi at my grandpa's funeral, and apparently it was like a really cheap one. First off, he was like an Uber rabbi. He like literally drove up to like the gravesite. I don't know if because he was like overweight or something. But he was like, you know, he was like doing a poetry and like, I can't even understand what these rabbis are fucking saying. And then at one point, you know, we're all like crying and so upset. And he's like, and to the grandkids, like, what would you say to your grandpa? And he starts like naming us. He's like, Chloe, Rachel and Carol. And he starts naming us. And we're just like, those aren't our names. (laughs) (laughs) And we, we literally were like. Um, have you ever like raised your hand in a funeral? You're like, sorry. Like, yeah, I'm such a girl. I'm like, sorry. Those aren't our names. <laughs> and then I think you like made some joke. I was like, I was like, this is like a cheap rabbi. <laughs> DoorDash of rabbis. Oh, DoorDash of rabbis. Funny. Oh man, that's that's another place where you probably shouldn't clap while you're spelling words. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, Poppy was good. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, uh, let's let's uh, talk a little bit about Phil Hanley's bit, uh, and then we'll we'll bring this thing home. Um, Jeremy, if you want to pull that up, Phil takes a, a, a totally different take, um, a totally different route on on this uh, topic. I don't know if you've seen this bit before. But yeah, I have. Yeah, he's great. He's so funny. Yeah. Uh, so Phil Hanley. I'm dyslexic. That's tough, man, because you don't see it coming. You know, I just arrived in the first grade. You have no idea. I arrived in the first grade. Everyone started reading. I was like, meh, I'm going to stare at the window for a decade. But you guys, (laughs) you do your thing. (laughs) I found out I wasn't going to learn how to read at six. That's young to get bad news about the future. (laughs) That's like pulling a kid aside and being like, hey, there's a good chance you're going to be a degenerate gambler. (laughs) He's like, what are the odds? Third grade was tough because the teacher was old and she learned to teach before dyslexia was invented. So she didn't think it was a thing. She thought it was something people made up to get attention, like a gluten allergy. (laughs) She'd make like the whole class read and then it would be my turn. I'd be like, yeah, I can't read. It's the same situation as yesterday. (laughs) She'd be like, Sandra, I'd be like, nice try. That's reading. (laughs) <laughs> that is so insensitive man tell a dyslexic child to sound it out 
That'd be like if someone pulled you aside and said, hey, I can't eat this. I'm deathly allergic to peanuts. And you're like, chew slowly. (laughs) (laughs) They put me in special ed. I was in special ed. My mom did all my homework, all my projects. They still put me there. Sure. My mom would always say to me, she'd say, you know, there's nothing to be ashamed about being in special ed. And I'm glad she felt that way because technically she was in it too. <laughs> I used to have a joke about how my mom would do my homework too. And they were like, she's really not doing well. Yeah. That's funny. <laughs> did, did your teachers know? Um, no, but even, they even would say it like with the, like the, the little shoebox of like the art thing, they'd be like, yeah. it's not good. I'd be like, well, that's my mom. <laughs> <laughs> did she get uh-huh. mad when you got bad grades on something that she did? No. Well, it was between her and my sister. Like my homework at home was just like, it was like an opera. Like everyone would be screaming for each other. My mom would be like, can you do Tori's homework? And my sister would be like, no, no. Like I never did my homework. It's probably why I like choose some things I just don't want to do. Yeah, that's fair. That that imprinting. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, how, how do you learn best? I think visually or like talking it through. I learn verbal. Anything anything where I got, if I get like an email with directions, I'm like, this is like a headache. Mm. Like I'm, it's, it's like, I mean, for me, I'm sure it's like one notch of a COVID headache. Like I look at it and I'm like, oh my, like, it's like, it looks like a different language. Like an email or like, that's the worst. I'll be like, Cause I do like freelance video editing. So sometimes I'll get emails being like, this is how you save the project. And it's like, this is like, I, I can't, like, I can't read this. Just find a video. Yeah. I mean, so then they send me the video. I'm like, okay, I get this. I just like, can't read directions and like, I'm nothing with like, yeah. You know, what's great though is well, unless it's literature, we're talking about like, you know, learning visually makes more sense because you're not transcribing it like from a middleman. You know what I mean? It's just like kind of right. more direct. Yeah. I'm I'm hopeful, uh, just because now that we we have more of an understanding of like how the brain works, um, that that more schools, that more um, I mean, there's going to be more options for more people and different ways to learn. Yeah, like, I look at my I don't know. It sounds like creepy, but like my school has like a Facebook group, so I'll look at it and I'll see the kids and I'll see like that they're learning. Like everything's on the computer. Everything's so much more visual. And I was like. Like, I would have been, like, an amazing editor at, like, 11 years. I mean, I was. I was, like, editing on iMovie. But, like, you see mm-hmm. these kids who are, like, like 12 years old and giving you, like, amazing, like, after-effect advice on YouTube. I'm not saying they're dyslexic, but I'm saying, like, you know, a lot of these kids are so good now with, like, visual stuff, which is, like, so much more important now than, like, back then. Especially yeah. when it's, like, with a computer interface kind of thing. Yeah. It's the future. <laughs> it's the now. Sometimes I just, like... When I watch a tutorial and it's like a young kid, I'll put like a tab in front of their face because I'm like, this is making me depressed that this kid is like teaching me something. <laughs> <laughs> right? It, he's just uh, reincarnated and then he remembers his past life. Yeah. 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 yeah that's it. <laughs> uh, no, it, it's it's funny because um, I do like, I mean, I have to market myself. Um, I do speaking and like, I, you know, to get booked, I have to reach out to people and like, book clients right so this one guy just he was like yeah i'm super interested in in what you're doing um so every email he would never respond to my emails but then last week after like a month of not getting anything back i was like all right i'm gonna try this one thing i sent him a video email and he responded within like 10 minutes wow and i mean so 
that that's another thing that, that you have to keep in mind too, is like, not only do people have different learning styles, they have different like preferred methods of communication. So everybody's yeah. brain is so different. I wager it's the stimuli of the ooh video. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. You, you, I'm sure that helps, sure. But, but you know, just again, like there's so much neurodiversity out there. That's like so intriguing to me just to dive into like everybody's brain is different. Everybody is wired differently. Like, yeah, chemical, chemically imbalanced differently. That's so cool to me. You know, to me that there's a lot more to that than like, the racial differences and and yeah things like like religious differences it's like no what's going on in here that's yeah. the thing that makes everything work yeah I would love to know yeah I want to like take like an I not an IQ test but like okay I wish there was like a creative IQ test that like oh you have an exceptionally high rate of coming up with visual I don't know I just like I feel like there's gotta be something like that it's gotta be something on BuzzFeed I can find Right. Because <laughs> think about, I mean, we're so good at diagnosing <laughs> problems Yeah, that like, we're going to do that for, you know, your entire childhood. We're going to tell you you're bad at these things, but like, there's never really an equivalent of that where it's like, and you're awesome at this. Right. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's, that gives me hope for the future. It's like the fact that people are having conversations about that now, rather than like, everything is awful and you're never going to learn how to read. It's like, no, you're just going to learn how to read differently. Right. <laughs> like, what are you good at? First? Or like, you'll never read, but you're like, be really good at like picture books. Like the best is my nephew. He's two. And he's like, my sister's not dyslexic and her husband's a doctor. So the, the kid, he's very smart. He remembers more people's names than I do. And like, I'm just afraid at the point, like when he's going to read me the book, you know, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, Oh my God. I'm like, like I don't want to, I read the book. I'm like this first off cat, anything Dr. Seuss is the meanest book for a dyslexic person. <laughs> I was like, I was like, I'm not, he like, he's like, can you read this? I'm like, no, like this is awful. Like if I ever have a kid, the kid's going to be like, I never read Dr. Seuss. And he's going to go on a date being like, what do you mean? It's a classic. It's like, well, my mom like hates it. Like, you know, <laughs> <laughs> like I refuse to have those books. It's very mean. If you look at it, it's all about rhyming. Yeah, that's really funny. Have you uh, have you messed with that as like you know, like part of the the bit or no? I a should new though. premise. I well, it just happened like the other week. I was reading it and I was like, "This is awful." Like I really <laughs> have to be on my game. Like I can't watch him in my arm and try to read this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's funny. I mean, just like having to communicate and like be around little kids and like teach yeah, them and then how I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, hat, that, hat. <laughs> <laughs> I can't I hold the like baby. Came, I'm like, yeah, I feel like we came up with such a good bit tonight. Like, I need to go on stage right now. We have the clapping bit. We have the callbacks. Like, oh my god, I guess I have my dog in here. Yeah, like I go for her. That's like the equivalent of a drunk bar audience. <laughs> yeah, right. It's fine. Um, very cool. Well, I'm glad that that helped. Very. A little bit. I mean, that's, we're still like, we're, this is, you'll probably be like episode 40 something. I don't know. We've done around 50 and we're still kind of like, like figuring out what it is that, that we do. Um, like we know why the, the show exists, right. um, but it's just a matter of like, cause each guest is different. Same thing. Like you can't go through the same formula with, with everybody and you got to kind of find that sweet spot. But I think it's good. Cause like, 
even though we kind of stuck with like the dyslexia, I feel like there's so much stuff that like I kind of like thought about but hadn't like discussed in so long. So it's like it was like really nice just like sticking to one thing and but like really like hashing it out. Right. And if we talked about the same thing the whole time, that's like, ugh. <laughs> right. But there's so many different like layers to like, right. you know. Right. Right. You can weave in and out and, you know, you don't know where it's going to take you. Right. So I, I think that Dr. Seuss bit is great. Um, <laughs> yeah, that is going to be good. <laughs> cool. Uh, Steve, do you want to add anything? Uh, new. Any observations? Dyslexic <laughs> observations? Yeah. No. I mean, when I was younger, I actually couldn't read in the fir- first grade. Uh, but then they, like, took me to a school psychologist, and they're like, well, he's smart, but he's uh, just, like, punky, poking kids in the eye and having behavioral issues. Oh, uh, okay. <laughs> got a behavioral so, issue wasn't the actual reading aspect. Yeah, no. Well, by the third grade, they're like, oh, you have an eighth grade reading level. But it took me three, two years to get to that point but I also like passed all the kids up but I'm also like still like just not doing my homework and like that went on all the way through high school so right all right <laughs> like, a little bit of another issue there <laughs> yeah ADD <laughs> okay you could have gone to my school it's funny because I was like went to the school like everyone had learned learned disabilities I'm like oh, so, and so many comics do have them so I'll be like, have you ever been like tested for dyslexia? And they'll be like, no, but I do this. And I'll be like, you're dyslexic. And then I'll be like, you have ADD. Like you have dysgraphia. <laughs> you're dyslexic. You yeah. have. <laughs> I like tell everyone their problems. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, we were we were just kind of talking about this before we started the podcast. Like Chris Rock has um, a learning disorder where it's not Asperger's, but he can't read people's social cues. Hmm. Um, it's called NVLD, nonverbal learning disorder. So like the nonverbals, he has a hard time with. So like he doesn't pick up on if people are mad or, or people wow. are like, yeah, it's being sarcastic. He's good at like doing, that's interesting. Because when he performs, he like, you can go in and out of character. It's not like, mm-hmm. he's like, so like, um, like serious, I guess. So that's very interesting. Yeah. I it's mean, like the opposite of Brody Stevens, where Brody Stevens, like, he's like, he's like, arms crossed, negative. Arms right. crossed, negative, negative. Like, <laughs> <laughs> R.I.P. Brody Stevens. Um, but yeah, like uh, Howie Mandel, ADHD, OCD, Jay Leno, dyslexic. This is all courtesy of super producer Jeremy Demery, uh, Jim Jeffries. Like, there's there's a lot of comics who have that. But again, to your point from earlier, like, I feel like we have a different way of dealing with things. Um, that you know, you have to be honest about it or you have to find ways to to adapt quickly definitely and that helps on on stage it helps Mm -hmm. writing it helps yeah so cool um if you had one piece of advice for somebody who is dyslexic and is having trouble like finding the funny in it um or a comic who wants to write a bit about it what would you say to them Okay, well, if you're a dyslexic writer, I've noticed that what helps me is, like, not sitting in front of a computer, but just walking around with, like, my, uh, like, recording thing and just talking into it. I find that helps, like, way more than sitting and writing. So I'll, like, do that, and then I'll be like, okay, for 15 minutes, I'm going to just, like, ran into this thing, and then maybe I'll get, like, one good two-minute thing, and then I'll, like, take that audio, and then I'll transcribe it. But that's been, like, within the past, like, 
two years and I'm like, oh, that's like how I write. So I would say that's like helpful. Even, you know, maybe if you're not someone who like, is like, oh, I can't sit at a desk and write. I'm with you on the, the recording yourself thing too. Um, right, somebody so better. Yeah. I had somebody told me I was in like a speech course and they were like, your mouth is closer to your brain for a reason. Mm. So use it. And uh, after I laughed at any sexual undertones that that could take, I was like, no, that's a good point. Yeah. You know, cause I'll start writing something down and forget it. Yeah. Whereas, Oh, I can just use this, use my phone and, and then fuck with it on pen to paper. It so. really is so much better. Or even like, I'll do it three times with like a story. I'm like, okay, I want to tell a story, but like, I want it. So I'll say, I'll like do like two different recordings of it. And I'll be like, oh, well, there was one really good part from that that I'll use. So yeah, I think that's like very helpful if you're more yeah. of like a visual person, I guess. Yeah, I, I've actually been doing that instead like to replace open mics. Yeah. I'll just, I'll, I'll turn on my camera, like put it on a tripod, turn on my camera for around a half hour. Like I won't set a timer or anything. I'll just kind of guess or like let it come to a natural conclusion. And I'll put a couple bullet points up on my whiteboard and then just riff. And then I'll just cut it down into little clips and then post it on Facebook. And oh, then that's based good. On, based on people's responses, it's like, oh, or like, is this a bit that I want to dive into deeper? And then right. eventually I'll, I'll work it into a full-fledged bit and then put the final draft up there, the final, you know, yeah, once, it's, that's a once good I can idea. get on stage. So, yeah, I mean, that's that's a fun thing to use too. We have all these tools at our disposal, you know? Yeah. It's, it's cool, so. And then... I guess it's like, if you're just like, I can find the funny in it. If you're like younger, just know like you didn't get um, dishwashing soap when they didn't ask you to. <laughs> like nothing can be as like embarrassing as that. And I think just like, know like your most embarrassing moments, like you're going to laugh at. Like, you know, nothing's awful. It's like going to always be funny. <laughs> right. No matter how embarrassing it is at the time, it's in hindsight, you will find the yeah. humor in it at some point, whenever you're yeah. ready. Cool. That's great advice. Um, Tori, where can we find you on social media? And also, is there anything you want to plug? Now's your chance. Okay. So yeah, you can find me on Instagram or TikTok. I've been doing a lot of like video stand up like vlog stuff on there. And everything's just at Tori, T-O-R-I-P-I-S-K-I-N. And then I have the podcast with my mom called Got It From My Mama. And that's on Spotify and iTunes and Google Play. And YouTube right. as well, actually. Is it the video aspect? Yeah, we have the video aspect. Nice. Well, Tori, thank you for taking the time out of your night uh, to join us. Yeah, thanks yeah, for having you. me. You can't laugh at that uh, because no matter how embarrassing it is, no matter how uh, it, it can held, hold you back, grade level pun not intended uh there is always <laughs> a way to laugh at that and, and podcast <laughs> special thanks to gold knock studio you can find gold knock studio for all your podcasting needs at goldenoxstudio.com uh, hit up Jeremy. He is fantastic to work with, professional. Uh, he makes podcasting easy. And uh, if, you're, if you've been kicking the tires on starting your own podcast, definitely give Golden Ox Studio a look. If 
you'd like to weigh in on today's topic, follow us on Twitter at You Can't Laugh Pod, or like us on Facebook at You Can't Laugh at That, and tell us how you did laugh at today's topic or how you didn't. This is all about the conversation, is what I'm saying. All right. Bye.